And you're welcome back to the Saturday Sport Show. Now it's a pleasure to welcome a special guest to uh, Near FM Sport. He's a man whose voice will be familiar to uh, viewers on uh, Virgin Media Television and also to uh, listeners on News Talk Radio. He's the top rugby and soccer commentator on both uh, both of those stations. And he is, of course, Dave McIntyre. And Dave is on the line. Dave, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, sir. Very well. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. So, Dave, um, as I mentioned, and uh, commentating on Virgin Media television and of course News Talk but I want to go back if I may when uh, you were obviously a, a huge huge sports fan growing up yeah from a very young age I'm thinking five six years of age probably my dad was a huge sports fan loved GA and soccer in particular and whatever live sports was on on TV was always on in the house so I was never really spared that at all whether it was Stalker, GA, rugby, snooker, darts. Then I'm talking about the 1980s when there was really very little live sports on. Yeah. Um, so we kind of hoovered up everything we could. And then as soon as organised sport began, I was always playing for various teams and various sports and um, reading as soon as I could read the newspapers and listening to BBC Radio 5. I used to listen for hours on end. So yeah, absolutely obsessed from a really young age. Indeed. And I did read somewhere, Dave, that uh, growing up you were an avid Kerry fan in GAA, a a great uh, lover. Pat Spillane was your hero. Yes. I've told the story before. When you're very, very young, you know, your heritage and your roots and your geography doesn't really mean much to you. You have no real concept or grasp of where you're from. So Kerry were the best team in the country at the time. It was kind of the, the dying throes of that great eight all Ireland winning team and yeah. the first All Ireland I went to see was in '86 when they beat Tyrone and mm. that was the final kick of that team. So the first kit I got, be it in any sport, the first full kit I got was actually a Kerry kit. Oh, I see. And I love that team and I love Spillane in particular. Do you still have that kit, Dave? <laughs> I don't. No. no, and it's um, it's a source of great regret. <laughs> I don't know when or where it vanished, but it disappeared. I see, and um, you, you know. After you you left school, I think you became a bank official. Isn't that right? I did. Yeah, yeah. For you can use that against me if you wish. No, no. Yeah, I, I I didn't really know. I didn't really know what I wanted to do leaving school. To be honest, and I had some work experience in a bank, and I almost just fell into the job. And for a few years, it kind of suited my needs, and I met some great people, and I learned a lot. And but as the deeper I got into it, the more I knew it really wasn't for me. So. I, I kind of had to make a change but that's, that's how things started yeah and I think like Near FM being a local radio station you, you did some bits and pieces with Radio Nalifa and I think and uh, Anne Olivia as well and that was obviously a great uh, help to you it was yeah I was I, I suppose I I was dipping my toe into broadcasting I didn't have any idea that it would it would one day become you know a full time job but mm. I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the thoughts of being on the radio so I used to sneak out of the office in the bank I was working in on a Monday morning to kind of do a roundup of the weekend sports news on Anne Olivia ah, great. with a guy yeah. I met when I was I went back to study journalism at night and I met him in Griffith College yeah. Yeah. I used to do some volunteering and news talk at weekends so making the coffee and holding doors and writing scripts and briefs up and that kind of stuff Yeah. so all of those little bits and bobs together kind of just allowed me to get a little bit of experience and get a little bit of a taste in the early days as to what it might feel like. 
I know. And and um, you obviously had to make a decision then, Dave, you know, being working in the bank and then the sports journalism. Um, and I think, was it a comment that your sister made to you at one time that really probably helped you make up your decision? Yeah, it was it was interesting. I was studying, as I said, I was studying journalism at night. I was working full-time in the bank and I was in News Talk every Saturday and Sunday for their sports shows and the journal Sullivan. Yeah. But... There was a radio station, a regional radio station in the southeast, like a music radio station. They were looking for a full-time sports journalist, and mm. they rang Newstalk. This was Beat 102, 103, mm. based in Waterford City. Ah, yes, yeah. And yeah. they, yeah, they rang Newstalk and said, "Look, we have this role. We're looking for potential candidates to interview for the role. Is mm. there somebody that's crossed paths with you that you might be able to put us in our direction?" and Newstalk gave them my details, I went down and spoke to them, and thankfully, despite my lack of experience, they took a real chance on me, and, and when they offered me the job, yeah, you're right, that was it, that was time to make the big decision, and it was sort of my sister and a couple of my friends would have said to me, look, it's now or never, this is your, probably your only, one and only opportunity to do yeah. this, you either it. take it or forget about it as, a, as any sort of a, an ambition or a dream. You know. And uh, and I remember, Dave, also, I think one particular day when you were in Crow Park, you were, I think they were All-Ireland football quarterfinals, and you and the first game you were uh, commentating for News Talk, and then the second game you were commentating on Sky Sports. Is that, is that right? Yeah, they were, they were great. It's great yeah. opportunities. It was back when Off the Ball still had the rights to the All-Ireland uh, football cup. Yeah. And... Obviously, Sky had come into the broadcasting arena as well. So there would have been a number of, maybe certainly two or three years where on All-Ireland quarterfinals, say, the double headers, I would have done either the first or second game on radio and then jumped across to the TV gantry and yeah. done the second game on TV. And, um, there would be some that would have said to me, geez, that sounds like a terrible ordeal, but I just loved it. Of course, yeah, yeah. To get to commentate on both games on the same day was incredibly... <laughs> unbelievable fun I don't think any commentators have done that do have they really two on the same day you know in different stations definitely not and and uh, now let's move on Dave to the Heineken Cup because uh, you know you've broadcast many of the Heineken Cup games and of course the um, Six Nations Championship which uh, Virgin Media have, have some rights with uh, RTE they're great days as well I'm sure for you yeah it's um Virgin Media have been really good to me and they've provided me with some massive opportunities. I've got the chance to commentate on Champions League finals and Europa League finals and World Cup quarterfinals yeah. and um, Grand Slam deciders. And like, There's few bigger competitions in the world of sport than the Six Nations Championship. It's just, there's so much history, so much tradition to it. It, it generates so much chatter this time of year you know spring has sprung when the Six Nations kicks off. And yeah. While the World Cup is obviously the biggest tournament in rugby, mm. In terms of what we're served up every year, nothing comes close to the Six Nations Championship. So I've absolutely loved getting the opportunity to cover those games for Virgin over, I think it's, this is our sixth year maybe. Mm. And um, it's it's as much fun now as it, as it ever was. And hopefully we are, uh, hopefully we're heading towards another Grand Slam year. We've had, the boys have been a lot of work to do to get there still, but three from three, it's a pretty good spot to be in. Indeed. And Scotland away in the next game, the weekend after next, isn't it? And uh, followed by England on St. Patrick's weekend. So two top games coming up. Yeah, the trip to Scotland is, is going to be fascinating. Because yeah. 
while our record against Scotland in recent years is almost flawless, they really have struggled to get the better of us in the last seven years. Scotland are, are playing some brilliant rugby. They'll feel they had a chance to win in Paris yeah. and probably should be going in to this game with Ireland chasing a grand slam themselves. But mm. they know if they beat Ireland, they're in with a brilliant shout of a first championship in 23 years. Mm. So they'll really be targeting us and fact, the chances of beating us. Obviously, if we win it, it sets up this unbelievable showdown with the English on, on the Saturday of St. Patrick's weekend. It was Patrick's weekend and Paddy's Day, in fact, when we won the Grand Slam in 2018. Yeah, and yeah. You do feel that England improving every game under C4, but if it came down to it and Ireland were four from four going into that game, it would be very difficult to see us slipping up when it was all on the line. But yeah a really exciting couple of weeks ahead yeah I was just thinking Dave that uh, Scotland or not if, if Scotland happened to beat Ireland they will have won the Triple Crown won't they this season 100% they, yeah. they, they have been showing signs over the last two and a half to three years that mm. they're making progress with McGregor Sandin but they had a big problem backing up big performance and backing up big wins yeah I mean they beat England in the Calcutta Cup and they get turned over by Wales the following week this year they, they did back it up they beat Wales comfortably albeit a Welsh team that is in, at such a low ebb and such a terrible place to move. and they gave France their belly full of Paris and scored uh, some brilliant tries and there was a key moment in that game with 10 minutes to go when Scotland were right in it it was a one score game mm. And you felt if they got the next score, they could go on and win it. So they are a side that have made huge progress. Yeah. It's Finn Russell that's probably got the most entertaining fly half in world rugby at the moment. In ter- terms of the neutral wanting to tune in and, and watch him, their backline is much improved. They have a brilliant young captain in Jamie Ritchie. Mm. And in front of that Murrayfield crowd, I think they're going to, we're going to have to play very well to beat them. That game against France that you mentioned, Dave, like as you said, it was a one. It was down to a one-score game, and they made a bags of a lineout, didn't they? Which enabled France then to to uh, to score that the last try before the end. Yeah, there was an overthrow. Yeah, the, the hookers, uh, and that was the turning point of the match because it was off that mistake that France went down the field, forced a penalty, and yeah. got the try that ended the game. So yeah, you're right. But these are key moments, and if you truly want to be a great team as opposed to just being a a decent team that's on the up if you yeah. want to win those games you have to own those moments and Scotland didn't I know and and that try that their winger Vandermeer Dwayne Vandermeer scored uh, wasn't it against England <laughs> he came from practically inside his own half and beat about five or six would-be tacklers to score a try it was a brilliant brilliant effort wasn't it it was an incredible mm-hmm. try against England and mm-hmm. uh, the sort of try that would grace any Calcutta Cup match. Yeah. Uh, my argument would have been the second try he scored was better because he had so much to do for the second try and England were better set defensively. It was an unbelievable finish. Yeah. And as much as his footwork and his balance and his um, thinking on his feet in terms of when to change the ball from one hand to the other to fend off a would-be tackler, it was shocking defending really wasn't it I mean it was. England should have been embarrassed at some of the attempts to take them down on the way through there so yeah unbelievable try but the defending was shambolic it was let's turn uh, just sticking with rugby if I may uh, Dave turning to the Heineken Cup and of course um, Leinster and Ulster will be meeting I think on the 1st of April if I'm right Saturday the 1st of April but uh, I must say I, I've, I've met you on occasions in the RDS Always great occasions when Leinster are playing Friday nights or Saturday nights. Yeah, it's it's pretty special, isn't it? The RDS under yeah. the lights in the winter time. And yeah, 
there's a there's a bite in the air and it's usually a, a close to full house for a, a Heineken Champions Cup game at least and mm. um, they're always good fun I, I think Ulster have, have shaken off the troubles they had coming towards the turn of the year when they lost a couple of big games and they threw away a sizable half-time lead against Leinster they shipped a terrible beating in the Champions Cup against Sale and managed to turn that around and qualify from their, from their conference so I think they'll come to the Leinster game with nothing to lose yeah, but yeah. if Leinster are close to full strength and obviously the Six Nations tends to take more out of Leinster than it does any other province mm, but if mm. Leinster are coming in fully loaded it'll take a performance from Ulster that we probably have yet to see under Dan McFarland to, to beat them I know yeah. um, Leinster cruise into the last 16 obviously and probably we won't really know how good Leinster are until they get to a semi or a final mm. which was the case last year when they cruised to the last four and the final but ultimately got turned over by La Rochelle at the death so did, yeah. Yeah, but that's a game we're really looking forward to Indeed and Leinster will be at home won't they in, in all of their games if they progress is that true? Yeah, yeah. they are the top seeds going into yeah. the knockout stages and with the final scheduled to yeah. be at the Aviva Stadium yeah. if Leinster continue to advance they actually won't have to leave Dublin again for the rest of the tournament ah, That's great and of course they're also well ahead in the, in the United Rugby Championship as well so unbeaten of course in all their games so far so it's it give great entertainment to the fans they really do Yeah the the URC this year is I, I think it's gone up a notch last year the introduction of the South African side changed things up a bit mm, and it, mm. it generated a little more interest the, the detriment of the tournament in a big way is the situation in Wales obviously the four Welsh regions are just just about keeping their head above water you don't expect anything from them in terms of results but I think Edinburgh have come on a lot the South African sides obviously were the two finalists last year Munster are definitely now showing real signs of development and regression under Graham Rowntree and his coaching staff and Mike Prendergast down in, in Limerick and Cork mm. and Ulster have enough good players to be in a position where they to make the playoffs to hurt any team in a playoff game so the knockout stages should be they should have a, a real uh, sense that there's a lot of different storylines kind of percolating around them so when we get to, to April and May that'll be that'll be really something that we can kind of hold on to as we reach the business end of both the Champions Cup and the URC. Indeed. Let's turn, if I may, before we conclude, Dave, to uh, soccer. And, of course, uh, you've commentated on many of the big Champions League games uh, in Europe. And uh, games next week, are you doing a game next week when they resume? Yeah, Wednesday night we have the second leg of the last 16 tie between Bayern Munich and Paris Saint-Germain on Virgin Media 2. Right. I know Bayern won in Paris two weeks ago, but... The, 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 it's perfectly balanced for mm. me because I do think PSG are capable of going over there and scoring two or three times they should have had at least two yeah. in the home leg and Bayern are nowhere close to being the force they were when they won the competition three years ago so while PSG are, are at a deficit going into the second leg wouldn't surprise me at all if they came through it and any time you get to watch the likes of Messi and Mbappe live is it, yeah. it's, a, it's a great watch so that's Wednesday night Bayern Munich against PSG so something really to look forward to just Dave you've commentated on you know various sports particularly around the globe what, what would be your you know most ec- exciting uh, game or, or, or match that you've done oh wow um, it's a tough one it's a tough one <laughs> yeah. I suppose you could break it up into different sports. The, I, the 2011 Heineken Cup final always stands out for me 
it was an unbelievable occasion under the roof of what was then named the Millennium Stadium. I was there that and day. That was brilliant, wasn't it? I was, yeah. Yeah. yeah the day yeah. Leinster were 22 6 out That's of half right. time against yeah. Northampton and just turned out this spectacular second half performance. Correct. John, I'll never forget that day and the atmosphere in that second half. That was unbelievable. It was terrific. Johnny Sexton's two tries in the second half. and wasn't it, which, Yeah, it was special, wasn't it? It was, it was such a memorable afternoon. It was. And um, finally, you know, rugby, and we've talked about rugby and soccer and, of course, in GAA, but you mentioned at the onset, like when you were a young lad, your dad was, was passionate of all sports. Just uh, on a personal level, do you do you like cricket at all, Dave? I used to be a huge fan of cricket, yeah. um, and I used to watch a lot of test, a lot of test match cricket, but yeah. more recently, I think it's, look, you know yourself, sorry, a lot of it has to do with your the circumstances in your life yeah. I'm, I've been, I became a dad eight years ago and I have two boys now and uh, agree, yeah. <laughs> the time to sit around watching test match cricket ah, just no, doesn't exist no. anymore so well the one day stuff of the 2020s can be very entertaining definitely yeah I'd watch maybe the world the T20 World Cup I'd yeah. watch some of the one day international World Cup but um, I do so much work around games at the moment and then trying to watch it at home as well uh, the likes of sports that I used to watch religiously when I was younger, like cricket, dart, snooker, yeah. that kind of stuff, rugby league, they've just kind of fallen by the wayside when I've had to, to concentrate my time a little more directly on sports that I'm actually going to be working on. Uh, we'll have to bring you down to Castle Avenue in Clonturf to see a domestic game sometime when time permits for you, Dave, definitely. Yeah, that? that sounds great. <laughs> and uh, lastly, just uh, as a as a sports commentator, of course, there was sad news last week of the the passing of the the legendary John Motson of the BBC, affectionately known as Motty. It was sad news, wasn't it? He was a great, great, great man. Yeah, great character and one of the great commentators of his generation, wasn't he? We'll all remember, or certainly people of my generation will remember listening to him and Barry Davis and yeah, David yeah. Coleman and Brian Moore. That's right. Um, and John was only 77 so still relatively young you know it's sad that he's said we've lost him so soon after he's retired but mm. he was the owner of some of those iconic moments of commentary like you know the, the crazy gang are beating the culture club and <laughs> yes. Ronnie Radford's goal and That's right. he was yeah. commentating for the BBC on Roy, Robbie Keane Germans in Japan in 2002 yeah. um, in Ibaraki it was uh, some incredible moment for John and I say he owns because you can't separate the sporting incident from his voice they're just so interlinked indeed and and you know what Dave I just link with the, with John Madsen and the uh, Barry Davis Brian Moore that you mentioned uh, the late great Bill McLaren on rugby uh, and Peter O'Sullivan on the horse racing they were superb commentators as well weren't they yeah there, and there's just so many iconic names and I don't think um I don't think in 20, 30 years' time we'll look back at some of the commentators that are around now and remember them with the same level of fondness. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has to do with the fact that the sports TV rights are so fractured now yeah, yeah. that there's so many different TV channels covering them. Where back then it was ITV or BBC or RT over here. There was nobody else on the scene. Mm. But Bill McLaren was just a wonderful um, commentator. He had such a gorgeous grasp of the language and he Indeed. used to have the right phrase for the right moments. And when we're in Murrayfield, as I, I get to go to Murrayfield a couple of times a year, yeah. the press lounge in Murrayfield is called the Bill McLaren Suite. Ah, yes. And there's photos of him and some of his best moments. That, taken over the years scattered all around the press room it's a great place to be oh, indeed 
Well, Dave, listen, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, I've enjoyed our chat and continue to give us all enjoyment with your commentaries. And we look forward to the rugby and soccer commentaries now in the next few weeks. Thanks. Really appreciate it, Dave. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. Pleasure. Bye now. Bye-bye. That was Dave McIntyre, uh, commentator on uh, rugby and soccer, Virgin Media, and of course uh, also... uh, a contributor to the Off the Ball program on News Talk Radio.